All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Off the Court podcast. We had a week, couple weeks off, uh, but we're back. We're excited, and I've got a really great guest today. Um, again, thank you to ESPN Honolulu again uh, for this amazing opportunity to bring on experts in different fields and athletes um, to talk about mental health, talk about mental health, talk about nutrition and recovery, um, and just kind of make the whole topic uh, a little bit more of a comfortable conversation. Uh, so today I'm joined by Dr. Peter Zhu. Uh, he's currently a physical therapist. Uh, he does have some athletic background in rowing, track and field, recreational surfing. Uh, he's a gym rat and a foodie, uh, just like me. And um, he loves working with active individuals, whether it's weekend warriors, just people trying to get in good shape or professional athletes. Um, he's also got a special interest in orthopedic and sports rehab. He's 30 years old. He went to undergrad at UCSD and he did his doctorate at the University of Southern California. So Peter, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. I'm happy to be on. Sweet. Yeah. I'm really stoked to have you on the podcast. You know, it's, it's so cool to have another expert that we haven't had yet. You know, we've had um, some really cool athletes come on and, and do the podcast, you know, some, some Hawaii athletes. And I think it's great that you're a local guy too. Um, you know, the people watching the podcast, they love to see that as well. Um, and, you know, having an expert now in physical therapy, you know, we've had a, we've had a nutritionist, we've had a couple of people kind of in the psychology field. And now we get another piece that we're missing, which is kind of sports rehab, recovery, uh, performance and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to start it the way that we've been starting all these podcasts so far. And I just want to give you the floor, man, to talk about your time as an athlete um, the levels you competed at, um, any mental health issues, struggles that either you went with, maybe a teammate went through, um, talking a little bit about how that felt, how you tried to adjust to it. Um, maybe things you did that really worked, maybe things you did that didn't work at all. Um, so yeah, the floor is yours, man, whatever, whatever you would like to talk about. Yeah. So I mean, my kind of journey to becoming a physical therapist was pretty standard in terms of, you know, I did a lot of sports growing up. I was very active. I went through many injuries <laughs> and had uh, a lot of experiences with some great physical therapists, which kind of led me to where I am right now. Um, as a little background, I think when I was six, um, that's when I started playing basketball couple hours a day in my backyard, just like shooting hoops, playing with my cousins. Um, I started getting really interested in fitness in a young, at a young age, um, just because, you know, all, everyone around me, we loved being outdoors. We loved playing and it was always something I wanted to get better at. Um, so that's kind of where my athletic kind of journey started, just playing basketball in my backyard. And then I noticed, you know, when we would play tag or like have races at the, um, uh, playground at school you know I would have this kind of competitive drive in me to try to be the fastest the strongest and um, that really got me into the competitive part of you know athletics so from there uh, in middle school I did track and field for all three years um, placed pretty well in my events uh, which I, I did the four by one 
and I also did the 400 meter dash. Um, unfortunately, uh, at the end of middle school, I experienced um, pretty disabling tendinopathy of my patella, which is very common in <laughs> many jumping athletes. Yep. <laughs> uh, at the time, at the time, I didn't even know what a physical therapist was. I kind of just went to my PCP, who was like, "Okay, take some, you know, ibuprofen. Don't run, and you should get better." Um, at the time, you know, didn't know anything better, so that's what I did. But me being stubborn, I didn't really take the don't run advice <laughs> and yep. I obviously kept running. Uh, but yeah, without kind of proper rehab, that didn't set me up too well for high school. So um, I stopped. I did actually stop running for a while in high school and I decided to try out uh, rowing, which actually I call it rowing, but it's because most people don't know what dragon boating is. So dragon boating is a another form of rowing. Uh, it's also a team sport, and except that the paddling technique is a little different. It involves a little bit more overhead motion. So that was a really great experience to me because it was my first time being in, I guess, organized team sport. Um, and, you know, it wasn't aggravating my tendonitis in my knee because it's primarily upper body. So I did that all throughout high school, and it was my goal to try and do that for college as well because um, we did actually have a team for UCSD. But somewhere throughout my, you know, career in high school, I had another injury. Um, I don't, I didn't know what it was at the time. It was pretty much just shoulder pain, and I chucked it off to, you know, I was doing a little bit too much. So I tried to dial down, uh, but the problem ultimately stayed with me, and it ended up being the case that I didn't do rowing in college. So two times already, kind of injuries had set me back in terms of what my sports goals were. Uh, but not to say, I mean, that didn't stop me from being active. I was still going to the gym often, lifting weights, uh, running just for fun, and just trying to keep, you know, pain in check. And it wasn't until I want to say my third year in college where my pain have, had gotten to a point where it was really limiting me from even able, from being able to even like walk down a hill. Uh, so that's when I finally decided to see a physical therapist uh, and it was, and he was a really good one who kind of helped me address the root causes of my issues. And that's what really kind of sparked my interest in performance optimization, as well as like rehab and preventative rehab. Uh, those are probably the, well, at least preventative rehab is what I'm most interested in because of my experience having gone through injuries and not having great outcomes, uh, trying to treat it on my own. So I believe that, you know, if you can identify any of, you know, your weaknesses or any kind of contributing causes before issues arise, then I think your outcome will be much better should you, you know, experience an injury later on. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if I went on a little tangent there, but uh, that's kind of my story of how I got to where I am right now. Um, I don't play any organized sports right now, but like I said, you know, I, I'm a recreational surfer, gym rat. I do, I like to do a lot of cross training. So. Yeah, yeah. no, I think, I mean, I think that's great. Cause I think when you talk about the world of athletes, I think injuries are maybe the top of kind of stressors that can happen, you know, being taken out of your sport. Um, like you said, for being prevented from, continuing that sport in college and 
Um, you know, especially when you get to the professional level, then it can in, in, inflict pain on your career at that point. Yeah. You know, it's, it's definitely one of the biggest, I would say maybe if not the biggest is, you know, injuries and kind of the mental health side of those, which is something that in, in the past, and I think even now is overlooked quite often. For sure. Um, and now that you mentioned injuries and being, you know, put out, uh, I actually had a shoulder surgery two years ago. Um, it, it was a torn labrum and it was actually due to my old injury when I did rowing that was never properly diagnosed. So uh, I finally saw an orthopedic surgeon who, you know, did an MRI on me. It was a posterior labral tear. And I, you know, I decided at that point I had been rehabbing it or trying to rehab it for a couple of years now, even with like, you know, my PT knowledge and I ended up getting surgery and I, it put me out for a solid seven months or so where I basically couldn't do anything with my arms, <laughs> which for me was huge. And this was also during the pandemic, which, mm. you know, is a stressor itself. Yeah. So, you know, that, that whole episode was a big learning experience for me because it really put me or it gave me perspective in you know where my kind of my my patients and my clients mindsets are when they are kind of put out from their sport or their activities that they love to do so you know i i'm not gonna lie i did fall into a little slump um especially that first three or four months where i couldn't do anything um and you know in the pandemic I couldn't go to the gym. I didn't have my own home gym. So I didn't really do much except lay down on the couch, which ultimately made me feel much worse. Uh, but, you know, when I, when rehab started going, when I was allowed to like move my arms, uh, things started to pick up a little bit more. And just from my experience working with other athletes or just even everyday people who experience injuries and, you know, can't do the things that they want to do, I, I kind of talked myself into, okay, you got to get the ball rolling, right? Um, you can't just not do anything and just kind of focus on the road ahead. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think in general, I think the, that the pandemic gave a lot of people who have maybe never really experienced any sort of anxiety, depression, um, at the very least gave them a lot of empathy for people that kind of experience that stuff on a daily basis. Um, and especially for you, I think, it gave you kind of a look into your, your patient's eyes, which I think is really nice. Like you said, um, being taken out of your daily activities and uh, the, you know, the things that you love to do and the things that you do. And, and it, trust me, I, I understand like the whole, um, I get anxiety if I don't go to the gym for a week. And I, and I totally know that feeling of, um, you know, being put on your butt for three, four months at a time and not really being able to, you know, do your normal day. Um, yeah, I think that's great. And then, uh, so now I just, I just want to jump into some questions. You know, like I said, I think it's, it's such a pleasure having an expert like you on. So I definitely want to do a nice segment, just talking about sports rehab. And then towards the end, we'll get back into the, in the mental health stuff. So first I just want to ask, you know, you mentioned in, uh, well, I guess I mentioned in the intro that you really love working with active people. You love working with athletes. Um, what is it about, working with active people that you enjoy so much? Um, I mean, there's a lot of things, but the first thing that comes to mind is motivation and drive. You know, active individuals want to stay active, right? So when they experience an injury 
or an issue that's preventing them from being able to do what they want to do, they're highly motivated to do something about it. Um, so that's, that makes my job a thousand times easier because I don't have to motivate them to want to do their rehab exercises. They're actually bugging me like, okay, what else can I do? What else can I do? Um, and it also, it, it's, it's fun because they challenge me, right? Um, a lot of the people that I work with, they, you know, are in sports or activities that I've never done. Like I've never played baseball. I, I've hit a volleyball a couple of times, but, um, you know, other than that, I, <laughs> I don't really do too much, or I'm not really too aware of the demands of their sport until I get to know them, until I talk to them and ask them, okay, like, um, what movements are you having issues with? Like, what kind of training do you do? And it just kind of challenges me, challenges me to grow as a clinician working with the, with these types of people because they ask hard questions and, you know, it's on my end to kind of do the research, to ask the right questions, to do the right assessments. Um, so yeah, that's, that's why I love working with active people. I also like working with, you know, everyday people who may not have been <laughs> exposed, exposed to too many sports, um, because oftentimes they start to enjoy exercise as well. So for all my listeners out there, I don't discriminate. <laughs> no, I, th yeah, I think that's great. And I, and I think, you know, for an everyday person when they come and do physical therapy and then they can get rid of some pain that they've had forever through exercise, you know, now that, you know, kind of changes their relationship with exercise too. And maybe that is the spark that they need to become a more active person. Um, so that's awesome. Um, so you talked a little bit about when you're talking about your own injuries. Um, and I think a lot of athletes kind of share the whole like stubbornness, I think is a good word of, I can fix it myself. I'll just pull up some YouTube videos and um, how to get rid of jumper's knee or how to get rid of, you know, tennis elbow and all these different things. Um, have you noticed a change in athletes just being a little more willing to kind of jump into physical therapy? Or do you still think that that stubbornness is, is still there? I mean, it's hard to say because it's different for everyone. I mean, me personally, as a physical therapist, I was still stubborn yeah. <laughs> um, in a sense that, you know, I thought I could fix everything myself because I have the knowledge of a physical therapist, but, you know, after unsuccessfully treating myself for three years, um, I saw an orthopedic surgeon who basically told me, you know, this isn't something that you can fix with exercise. Uh, it's a mechanical deficit that, you know, if you truly want to recover to hundred percent, only surgery can fix. And that's not something that I like to hear, obviously, as a, as a PT, but, um, you know, in hindsight, he was right. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Dr. Khan. Uh, my shoulder is 100%. Thank you. Um, but, you know, when it comes to athletes, athletes are inherently very motivated to improve at their sport, to get stronger, to get faster, right? So, you know, it's natural for them to do a lot of their own research and to kind of take things into their own hands. So I have worked with a lot of athletes who, you know, will say, oh, well, I've already kind of done A, B, and C. Um, and they're not, they're kind of a little skeptical of what else I can offer. Um, but then I also meet athletes that, you know, are just coming with a really open mind. They may have done a little bit of their own research, but ultimately they're still very receptive of, you know, my point of view and kind of what I can bring to the table. So yeah, I just think, I think it depends on, on the person. And I can't say I can speak to any 
trends. Um, it, it hasn't been obvious for me, at least. Yeah, for sure. Um, so going in now to like a little bit more specific of your experience training with athletes, um, what are the some of like the biggest training mistakes that that you notice among athletes? Like they come into you and say, I've been doing this, this, and you're just like, don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I usually just try and actually not say don't do something yeah, okay. um, because I find that it, it usually rubs people the wrong way. Uh, at least that's how I felt when my doctor was like, stop running. I was like, why? <laughs> that's yeah. what I do. Um, but yeah, I mean, the most common error I see in people that are coming for rehab is that, that they do too much too soon. So, you know, in rehab, especially if there's some sort of, you know, tissue damage, you, you can use, for example, um, a fracture. Okay. So for a fracture, you have to respect the normal healing timeframe for that fracture, right? Generally speaking, it takes about six weeks for fractures to heal and then longer for you to regain your strength, balance, flexibility, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, so oftentimes, you know, I'll, I'll be working with an athlete and they say, okay, my pain is feeling a lot better. It's almost not there anymore. I think I'm just gonna, you know, go for it. So they'll play like, you know, full game, hundred percent, go training like five days a week. And then they'll come back with either the same pain that they had or secondary issues as a result of doing too much too soon. So, you know, tendonitis or tendinopathy, which is the chronic version of that. Um, so, you know, whenever I'm talking to my patients, the first thing I tell them is make sure you're being smart about training and smart about rehab. You know, think about small incremental progressions in your exercise so that you can accurately assess whether or not you can tolerate it, right? Um, so I think a lot of athletes in particular struggle with this because, like I said, they're used to bringing their A game and like putting in their all. Uh, so I often do have to kind of slow them down. Okay, awesome. No, and I think that was definitely the most difficult thing for me going through injuries is, and definitely one thing I learned was, you know, you have one injury, you try to come back too fast, and then the injury comes back. And it's like, all right, this time, I really just need to take it slow, no matter how painful it is, no matter how much, you know, how many more weeks it is until I fully return to sport. It's, it's better always to come back 100% than come back at 95% and then go back down to zero because you just weren't there yet. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that's a great piece of advice too, is, you know, not being afraid to go slow through rehab. It's, it's, it's about getting you back to where you want to be. And there's one, there's, you know, there's kind of only one path to get there. If you go too fast, then you risk more injury. Definitely. Yeah. Um, okay. So I know you mentioned a lot about preventative exercise and kind of, I guess, resilience training, injury prevention training. Um, and I know that this is another thing that I think for me as an athlete, I've, I've definitely noticed this grow a little bit more. I think when I was in college, it was very much like meathead, like let's get strong, let's get big, let's jump high, let's run fast. And I think that there's so much more of an emphasis now, especially now that I'm a professional, but even looking back at some uh, 
colleges now, um, guys are just paying way more attention to their bodies. They're way more in tune with their bodies, doing more preventative training, doing more mobility training, all these different things to help their bodies. Um, how much time per day or maybe per week do you think is the minimum for, a, let's say, a college athlete to incorporate some sort of injury prevention training? Yeah. So, well, first, let's let's kind of define what recovery is. So at least in my terms, I define as recovery as time set aside to either work on, you know, um, accessory drills, maybe like work on strengthening some of the stabilizing muscles that are weak, right? Or work on mobility exercises because when you're training, you know, your muscles shorten, they get real tight, your joints get a little stiffer and you get delayed onset muscle soreness, which can, you know, impact your, or how soon you can get back to training. So when I, when I talk about recovery, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Um, and then in terms of preventative exercises, so prehab, um, I, I define that as exercises to address any sort of musculoskeletal deficits that, you know, personalized ones that can put you at increased risk for injury. So to answer your question about how frequent, um, I would say it, that would depend on what level of sport you're playing, but also how often you're participating in those activities, right? For my weekend warriors who maybe really busy with life and their kids who, you know, only go on daily walks and then maybe on the weekend they do, you know, CrossFit or something, then, you know, I'm not going to say do, you know, prehab every single day <laughs> versus, um, you know, my competitive athlete who plays professionally, who trains like, you know, three to four hours a day, you know, then prehab and recovery are much more important and need to be done more frequently, right? So there's no one size fits all question. You do need to look at how often you're training, how hard you're training, and, um, you know, make the judgment call from there. But in general, the more you train, the more you have to engage in, you know, prehab and recovery. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what, what are some good pieces of advice that you would have for someone who's just beginning to train, but they, they kind of tell you like, I, I'm just getting into it, but I really want to like train seriously. So what are some piece of advice, maybe with the recovery part, with the prehab, or maybe just strictly like their performance training? Um, how often, you know, how much should time should they spend? Like, I know you said, depending on how much they want to train, that's, you know, you should add more and more recovery prehab stuff. Um, but what advice would you have for someone who's like just getting into it? Yeah. So my advice is get an assessment and figure out what your weaknesses and deficits are, because without that knowledge, you're kind of shooting in the dark. Um, and that's not to say you need to, you know, see a rehab specialist, but there are some, for example, like self tests you can do uh, for like functional strength tests, for example, like how long can you hold a plank? Um, you know, can you get into a deep squat? Things like that. So when you're conscious of what your limitations are and what your movement deficits are, then you can get smart about creating a program for yourself. You know, in my opinion, it's, it's obviously always best and ideal if you can get assessed by a trained professional. But, you know, sometimes you 
don't have access or you know you don't have the resources to but there's still stuff that you can do right so my advice be smart about what you're doing and what you're programming for yourself um don't be afraid to ask questions you know maybe to your teammates your peers other health professionals that may know more than you um youtube university is a great resource <laughs> but it's not always you know you're not always going to find super relevant information for you specifically so the assessment part of it is, is super important awesome and then so that was the advice for someone just beginning what advice would you have for um let's say a college athlete that's that's wanting to go pro and they really want to step up their training they want to increase their vertical or increase their 40 yard dash time or you know anything like this what advice would you have for someone who kind of wants who kind of already is a very you know functional athlete wanting to push and get to the next level what advice would you have for someone like that my advice for someone like that um, would be definitely seek out a professional who one knows your sport um, and two is skilled enough to break down whatever task you're trying to achieve, you know, jumping higher, running faster into their component parts. What I mean by that is, um, okay, we can use the example of someone who wants to increase their vertical. Well, first you have to know what muscles are are important for increasing your vertical, right? Your quads, your calves, your glutes. And then secondly, you need to know what types of exercises will help you recruit those fast twitch fibers, which are the muscle fibers predominantly uh, responsible for that quick burst of explosive energy as you see in a vertical jump. So be, again, it comes down to being smart and deliberate about your training. And you know, unless you have a degree in biomechanics or a DPT or, you know, any other one of any number of, um, you know, movement kind of specialties, then you may not have the knowledge yourself to, you know, safely bring yourself to your desired level. So, you know, always seek help. And even me, you know, I've, I've been practicing, practicing for a few years. I have a lot of personal experience under my belt in regards to training, but I'm constantly learning every day. Um, I actually, you know, I don't even call myself an expert because I don't think you can truly be an expert at anything because there's always someone that knows more than you there's always more things to learn and you know you got to put your ego aside sometimes and be know how to reach out for help no yeah absolutely and i think that's a perfect segue to get into talking a little bit more about mental health because i think in general ask for help is just a phenomenal piece of advice for any athlete in any thing that they want to improve. If you want to improve your nutrition, ask an expert for help, ask YouTube university for help, ask Google for help. If you want to improve your vertical, if you want to, you know, bench more, if you want to do any of these things, if you want to get rid of tendinopathy, ask for help, you know, and especially mental health too. And I, and I know it's, it's still a very big stereotype for athletes to not really want to ask for help and to kind of, like you said, it's tough sometimes to put the ego aside and ask for help. But I think you just got to do it. Sometimes you just got to bite the bullet if, if it's what you really want. And if, you know, as athletes, the one thing I think all athletes have in common is the, you know, the desire to perform and the desire to keep improving. Um, that's the best way to do it. If you're lost and you got to ask for help, you can't just 
keep, you know, doing the same thing over and over and over and expect something else to come out of it. So yeah, I think asking for help in general, great piece of advice. Um, so now let's talk a little bit about kind of the mental health side of injuries, especially. Um, is there anything that you notice, like someone comes right in the door, they have an injury, and is there any is is there usually any indication that you can okay they're having a pretty tough time mentally with this or oh, they're doing they seem to be doing really well mentally with this is there usually an indicator or is it usually pretty kind of not so black and white like that? So some people are very good at hiding <laughs> what they're feeling, uh, myself included. So you know it's it can be sometimes hard on the first session on the first session to build enough rapport with the person in front of you for them to really open up. Um, you know, that's, but that's one of the things I love about PT is that compared to other health professionals, we probably spend the most one-on-one -on -one time with our, with our patients. And I really think that's to our advantage um, because, you know, we really get to know who we're working with um, and kind of just, you know, walk them through their journey. So as a PT, you wear multiple hats all the time. You know, yes, you're a physical therapist, but oftentimes, you know, they talk about their home life. They talk, they talk about, you know, how school is going. So in a sense, you also become a, a therapist, like a mental health therapist mm -hmm. to them, right? They open up to you. And, you know, although I'm not trained as a mental health coach or, you know, I, I don't have any training in psychology, um, you know, you pick things up over time in terms of how to recognize when someone may you know be dealing with anxiety or depression or stress which i'll argue that most people who come into rehab deal with right they're experiencing a life-changing event where they can't participate in the activities that they normally participate in whether it's you know being a new mother holding or not being able to hold their child because of a rotator cuff injury or a high-level athlete who you know has a broken femur um, everyone kind of comes in with some anxiety about what the future holds for them. And, you know, it's my job as a physical therapist to guide them through the rehab process, but also, you know, be there for them mentally and be a source that they can confide in and, you know, talk about their struggles. Um, and it's interesting because there, there's a lot of literature that shows that psychosocial factors um, have a big prognostic factor when it comes to rehab. Uh, what I mean by that is, you know, if you're, if you're my patient and you come in and you have a lot of life stressors or like you're chronically depressed, even if you have the same exact injury as, you know, person B over there who may be in a better, you know, uh, mind state, you're going to do the person with depression, anxiety is predicted to do much worse than the person who isn't going through, you know, mental health stressors. So part of a part of a successful rehab program is addressing those psychosocial aspects, right? Making sure that, you know, you're telling them, you know, don't just stop moving, you know, active recovery is good. If you, if you can't swim, but, you know, go for a walk. Um, make sure you're not retreating from your friends and your other hobbies just because you're injured, because, you know, those are all factors that, that play a huge role in how well you're going to recover. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm just going to stop the recording real quick. Cause I think we're, we've only got like two minutes left and then we'll just pick it back sure. up. Okay. Sure.